At the Dennis, time I want you to okay. understand, you maybe think this way, but when you tell Kyle and me and Anton listening on the other side of the, the, the studio, when you tell us that instead of eating chocolate donuts, you throw them, <laughs> you sound like an idiot. <laughs> Is there some intro music? Well, no intro music? We have something that gets added somewhere, I don't know. Hey, Canada Stem, folks. Welcome to another quarantine-ravaged episode of Missouri Swagger. Uh, I'm Dennis Hopeless. I'm Cullen Bunn. Jesus Christ. I'm Kyle Strom. This is good work, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Hey, Starting off on the right foot. You said we were quarantine-ravaged. I'm trying to play to that. Yeah. I thought he I said rabbits. Quarantine rabbits. Oh, we're quarantine rabbits. Wait, are we rabbits or ravaged? I didn't have my headset on. I don't know what you guys are saying. I said ravaged. Okay, we're definitely yeah. not reproducing like rabbits in this neck of the woods. No. Although my children are here and awake, and they're in the front yard so I can see them. So if at any point I disappear, it's probably to pull someone out of the road. Okay. That's where we are. That's, that's, that's good. Good. I definitely pull, pull them out of the road. I realize there shouldn't be any cars mind. on the road. Aren't we locked Other, down or something? And don't you uh, live on a cul-de-sac? No, it's not a cul-de-sac. It is a, I live at the end of a street that turns into another street. It probably was a cul-de-sac once upon a time, but no, that was many moons ago. Uh, <clears throat> but no, there's all, the only traffic through is like people having gardeners come through and essential workers going to people's homes, probably grocery delivery. I realized today that my level of... Um, homeschooling is essentially physical education because I spend most of the day trying to wear my kids out. I got a um, Achilles tendon injury the other day because I was chasing Colin around with his uh, scooter and then later chased him around in his power wheels, both of which require me to jog at a really weird gate and I had normal shoes on. Well, you, know, so you know, that had nothing to do with you chasing uh, anyone around on a scoot with that while they're riding a scooter. What that has to do with is you are getting old. I run all the time. I never hurt myself. It's a weird hobble run and I didn't have on good shoes. I am getting old. I know my body hurts for other old man reasons. So the best, the best part of PE was when they brought in that big inflatable silver igloo and they showed you the stars inside. Yeah. You had to climb in. It was like a, Mm -hmm. Portable they, uh, planetarium. They, they never did that in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't do that in my school. Uh, my uh, my middle school and in uh, high school just uh, they just let you go and they didn't educate. <laughs> they threw they threw dodgeballs at you and you never had. You climb, they made you, you never, climb rope. You never did the flex arm hang. Uh, yeah, we had to do that, but they didn't do anything. Like a silver igloo full of stars. Ah, okay. You don't Did even they know check what you're talking about? I mean, I, yeah, my son's done it now. He's okay. done this. Yeah. Basically, the planetarium. They bring the yeah. mobile planetarium to you. That's yeah. Exactly what it is. Did you have to do the scoliosis check? I, maybe, probably. Who knows? I don't know what that means. Did they make you, you take your shirt off and bend over and touch your toes and look at the straightness of your spine during health day? 
No, no, we never did that. Yeah, they were just like, fuck it, let them twist. Yeah, we, so, we, <clears throat> didn't, we didn't do that. Speaking uh, of getting best, old, go ahead. The best part of PE for me was days where you didn't dress out and you just sat on the bleachers with your friends. That was a lot of days for me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, so speaking of the health day and getting old, the other day I was bragging about how I hadn't been to the eye doctor since like health day in sixth grade or last time we had that because I've got twenty twenty vision. And you realized you were talking to the wall and not to a real person. <laughs> no, my friend who works at an um, optometrist's office said, Dennis, you're 38 years old. There's no way in hell you have 20-20 vision. You've just gotten used to it being blurry. And I tried to argue, but then I understand. I, I figured out quickly that I know nothing about the human eye and how it works. <laughs> uh, so probably I don't have 20-20 vision anymore. No, you don't. Uh, you might. I had I had 20-20 into my early 40s and then it then it got flushed very quickly maybe maybe you just had you got used to it too you're both arguing with a doctor you both don't know a damn oh thing no about. i didn't argue I, he you know he just said things like these are the best eyes i've ever seen on a person and i was like yes sir well, and then the next time in, i went he said these are the worst eyes i've ever seen on a person i have only had one of those tests with the thing where they drop down the lenses once in my entire life because <laughs> i don't go, go in yeah, when also there's stuff that can start to go wrong that's not vision-related <clears throat> that they have to check, apparently. Evidently, I had, I'm just being irresponsible. I had one of my eyes go terribly. It lost a lot of vision in the last couple of years, and I kept putting off going to the doctor. So until I got these glasses for a while, I couldn't. I would shut one eye, and it would just be blurry. So when I got these glasses, I was like, I'm reading every sign that I see. What's that sign say? Mine says long-haired freaky people need not apply. Yeah, I applied. And just so you know, as I've said many times, this is what conversations devolve into between people of in our age group. This is basically the conversation from Jaws, only instead of real wounds and injuries, we're talking about the things that are going wrong with us. You didn't, <laughs> yes. get, you didn't get stabbed by anybody. Your eyes are just going bad. Have well, you ever been day, stabbed by anybody? Have I been stabbed by anybody? Mm-hmm. I got my hand almost cut off by a machine in Woodshop. Does but that it count? didn't. No, it didn't get cut off. Uh, t- today, I hope that Dennis will tell a story about a game he used to play called "Will You Die?" Will you live? It was more optimistic. <laughs> yeah, the other day, the other day, I decided I was going to get a little sun because I've been getting a pretty fierce farmer's tan. Uh, running the running around after the kids so i decided well I'll put sunscreen on and i'll take my shirt off and sit outside and it turns out as an adult you have to apply the sunscreen a little more carefully because it's been several days and i am <laughs> fried is that the first time dennis has started to take his shirt off on this show sadly no <laughs> i didn't start to take my shirt off i showed you my sunburn we and yes I, we edit we edit a lot. There is a child in the background of your video, just so you know. <laughs> Hi, buddy. We edit a lot of Dennis's taking a shirt off out of the video. Okay, mm-hmm. so that means your feet are really wet, buddy. Okay, go back outside. <laughs> okay, well, go talk to him. Good, good parenting. There we have it. You guys are mocking it. me. And my children are would be mocking you anyway. We were mocking you before he interrupted. That's right. what I'm saying. You're mocking me about my visual aid of my sunburn. 
I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, what are we talking about today, gents? Uh, talking about games. Tricks and We've games! Already We've already hinted Board at this games. amazing game you play called Will You Live? But uh, I bet I told it as a swagger story. When I, I don't was a, remember Will You Live. Okay, when I was a, a middle schooler, um, my, the neighborhood I grew up in as a child was mostly older people. Uh, one side of the road was a lo- small local airport, so it was just fields so that the runway could be there. And the other side was a handful of homes, like maybe 10 homes that had been built you know, 50 years before. So it was mostly older people. It had been my grandparents' home my mom had grown up in. There were no kids. There were never any kids anywhere near us until I was in seventh grade and like a ninth or 10th grader kid moved up from Georgia. And his favorite game was trying to make me cry. Like he liked, we liked to play. uh, You liked to play or he liked to play? He liked to play. Well, I liked to have like an interaction that wasn't with my sister who didn't have the time of day for me either. Uh, But he liked to play a game where he would take a piece of wood and whack you in the shin. And if you didn't call out, you got, you won. Did you whack uh, him back? No, because then he would have punched me in the face. Like it was a bully. It was a bullying situation. Uh, in hindsight, oh, at the time, I knew. And then we you played. Were this uh, kid's, you were this kid's. Uh, what was the kid in Christmas Story? You. He was Scott Farkas, and you were Ralphie. his little. Ra- we though Scott Farkas had a toady named something. Dennis was this kid's toady. No, there was another kid that lived. Uh, a little ways up the street from us that moved in around the same time. He was the toady because he was the he one only, that bought into it. And I, told he only him, whacked you with smaller sticks. Well, no, I, eventually I stopped hanging out. Cause then, yeah, then you had the toady and you had the guy that wanted to beat me up. But one game that he taught us was called, which I didn't know what it was called. He just told us what we were going to do. So we would lay on a piece of plywood that was laying on the ground. Would he, he would, lay too? Yeah. The three of us, me and the toady and, and, the, and the guy. And he had a crossbow, like a little short bolt crossbow that he would fit a full size arrow. So like a normal archery arrow in this crossbow and he'd aim it straight up in the air over us and it would go up and turn around and come back down. And the last person to move got a point. So you'd lay there, lay there, lay there and then roll out of the way and it would hit the, hit the board. And whoever moved first didn't get a point. Whoever moved last did. Uh, I never got a point. Like my little fat ass was out of there every single time. Uh, and we stopped playing when, when it hit the kid in the shoulder and stuck in. And so that was enough to make him quit. But I've, I told that story for years about this game, and everybody always looked at me like I was insane and like I must have grown up in a junkyard like Aaron Gillespie. But oh. at one point, some other hillbilly-ass person was at a party when I told the story. When I got done, he goes, Will you live? We played that shit. <laughs> so apparently the game's called. Will you live? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I feel like I grew up in a pretty rural area, and we did a lot, a lot of hillbilly stuff, but we never played Would You Live. Well, that no, we, never did. we had rock fights. That's about as bad as it oh, got. Yeah. Well, we had rock fights. We had When I was 16, we did car dueling, where we chase each other in our cars through town, which was the stupidest thing anybody's ever done. I figured um, out... I put paper towels. I know. I think it was toilet paper. I would stuff toilet paper in each of the uh, compartments in an egg carton, and then I would fill it up with water. And um, 
you get this like soggy wad and uh, we would have fights with those. <clears throat> but what we found is they would stick to the house far higher than you could reach. And for what seems like a long time after that, there were these wads stuck up on the house and my dad was really unhappy about it. Parents don't like yeah. that sort of thing. We uh, made napalm. We got the anarchist <laughs> cookbook. We got the anarchist cookbook when I was 14 or 15 and uh-huh. we wanted to make napalm. And there's two different ways to do it. You, I mean, this isn't real napalm, obviously. It's nonsense. But you can take uh, packing peanuts, the styrofoam packing peanuts that dissolve, and you can dissolve those in gas. And we did that. But when you – that kind, it's really just like a pasty plastic inside gasoline that the gas burns off of and it smells bad. And then supposedly the better kind was to you take a cheese grater and grate dove soap into gasoline as you double boil it, and it thickens it up. But – Obviously, my mother wouldn't let me use a double boiler in the house for gasoline, so we decided to do it on her gas grill. So we were on my mom's back porch, double boiling gasoline on an open flame and shaving with a... I had a salad shooter. I was using a salad shooter to put dove soap in. And obviously, the flames came up over the side and caught the gasoline, and a big flame shot up. Uh, almost charred the siding on the side of the house. And then as we like dumped water on it to try to get rid of it, which doesn't put gasoline out, by the way, <clears> it <throat> splattered everywhere and it burned up my uh, stepbrother's uh, little plastic soccer goal. And that was maybe the angriest my mother ever got at me. Uh, That's fair. Next week on Super Saturday Morning, The Adventures of Young Tyler Durden. <laughs> I was, I was going to tell a story about a, we had an ice cream fight, but it seems pretty trivial compared to making, making napalm and burning up your... I, uh, I used to tanks. make, we had rotten egg fights. We'd you know, go steal eggs from the chicken coop and have egg fights, but uh, never made napalm. But my favorite part of that story... Dennis, just so you what? know, is as you were telling it, uh-huh. your children were standing in the background. Their eyes were getting big. <laughs> <I don't know laughs> and then they ran into is. your bathroom and grabbed soap <laughs> and ran out. They have no access to gasoline, <clears throat> and they don't know what a double boiler is. They will. They're going to burn this house down. Like, the karmic retribution I've got coming for the shit we did in high school, <laughs> is, uh, it's going to be a problem. Um, mm-hmm. But we are not talking about making napalm. We wanted to talk about board games. Sure. Can I tell the People, a safer thing to do as a delinquent teenager is to take chocolate donuts and throw them at oncoming cars because they stick and splatter on the windshield, but they don't hurt the car. That's not safer if it's the not, cars are in motion. That's far more dangerous. It's, it's safer than a rock. Don't throw anything at oncoming yeah, cars. It That's is safer the than a rock. Thing. <laughs> yeah, but you've got some idiot in a car who's going to jump out and shoot you because you threw a donut. You do have to be able to outrun them, but they're, they're going the opposite direction. Cause what you do is lob it in front of them as you're passing and you get the timing down and then they drive into it. And, so and they, they could die. Yeah. They could be in the middle of texting and then I, that could yeah. be the well, one extra that's thing. True. That makes and them also, die. At the Dennis, time I want you to texting. understand you maybe think this way. But when you tell Kyle and me and Anton listening on the other side of the, the, the studio, when you tell us that instead of eating chocolate donuts, you throw them, <laughs> you sound like an idiot. <laughs> at the time, I ate at least a third of the box. Also, you're right. There was no texting. So people were less distracted while driving. 
Um, you eat the entire box. I bought a bag of those chocolate donuts the other day, and I ate it in like 20 minutes. I'm tempted small. to pull up my shirt and show you the area that's not covered in chocolate donut. <laughs> <laughs> so when we were kids, we would go over to Mike McElhaney's house, and we would have sleepovers, and we would always – this is stupid because we were in rural St. Joseph where there were almost no cars. But if a car would drive by, we'd all go out into the street and like flip them off and then run and hide behind trees. I don't know why we did that, but uh, sometimes police cars would come by and that, that was the most, um, everybody would be like, Oh shit, let's flip them off. And then everybody would scramble. It was stupid. I don't know what the point was. It was that thrill. It was the adrenaline. I remember uh, when I was a kid, uh, my friend Vardell, Vardell Smythe, he was a great guy. And his, his dad was a, uh, the preacher, a preacher of the church there in Mount Olive, North Carolina. And he lived in this great kind of old house. And on Halloween, he'd had these big Halloween parties. He'd have 15, 20 kids and we'd go out trick or treating. And I remember one Halloween, we were out in the middle of Mount Olive, you know, you know, it's it a lot of, you know, little houses and everything. We're out wandering around and this car drives by and I believe it was my buddy, Chris Mervin, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. But he yells at him. He like flips him off and yells at him. And that car went by and it hit the brakes real fast and like turned around. And they chased us all over town for like two hours. On, in your and car? It, we all scattered. All 20 of us scattered. There were little groups who were hiding in garages and hiding in carports. And the car would drive by slowly looking for us. And it was terrifying. And it was the most fun. I mean, I think it was one of the most fun nights we ever had hiding from that car which probably a bunch of teenagers in the car and they were just trying to scare us, but it was, a uh, you know, it was exciting and fun to do it. Hmm. I it. get it. I get it. I think it'd I be made fun. some napalm, blew them up. Yeah. I had a, yeah. I had a nemesis in high school, something to do with my girlfriend. I don't remember exactly why he was my nemesis, but I wanted to fight him real bad. <clears throat> and then he was supposed to meet me out front of Hardy's where I worked at the time to fight. And he, you think, that showing, would, you think he would have been fired from Hardee's? I mean, that would have been, I eventually was fired from Hardee's, so it would have been a blessing in disguise. But yeah, probably. Uh, no, I no, because I envision this guy. I envision him pacing the parking lot at Hardee's, thinking about the donuts you threw at him. He got the wrong Hardee's. Yeah. Well, no, what he did was he, instead of stopping, instead of showing up to fight me, he, he rolled through and rolled his window down and said, fuck you, and stuck his, finger, his middle fingers out and then took off. So my, my sister was dating a delinquent fellow at the time who later died in a high-speed car chase. Uh, and he said, hop in the car, hop in the car. So we get in the car and we chase this kid around all of Lee Summit and Independence for until we eventually gave up and realized it's impossible to get someone out of a car because when you exit your vehicle, uh, they drive away. But that, yeah, that, chasing that kid around like I was in an action movie was uh, oh, yeah. the most fun. Well, also, I was not in a fist fight. Like, I would have probably gotten my ass beat because I didn't want it to do. I had in my mind that, like, I'm just going to go up and beat him like Schwarzenegger. So probably what he should have done is gotten out and known how to fight, and then it would have been all over. <clears throat> but if he didn't know how to fight, and you didn't know how to fight... It might have worked out for you. I've never been in a fist fight, but I punched a dude, and that was the end of it. And because uh, neither of us knew how to fight, and then he was like, "You're in a lot of trouble." <laughs> <laughs> he said that after you punched him. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
about a year after this, the kid, the kid was a mouthy kid, so it doesn't surprise me, but he got his ass kicked outside of school by some other person that was a friend of my sister or knew my sister or something. And uh, the principal called me in and sat me down and said, Chris was uh, assaulted over the weekend and he said that you had something to do with it. And I was, it's like, first of all, I don't know what you're talking about. Secondly, this sounds like something that, side, that happened outside your jurisdiction. <laughs> I wasn't in school. So you want me to admit to having paid someone to beat up? Yeah. And the principal was just like, go back to class. <laughs> so I don't know if the parents called. I don't know how that happened. Like how it was that someone got beaten up on a weekend and then I got called to the principal's office uh, on Monday morning. That was always my favorite when they, you knew you couldn't be in trouble. Like you knew that they had nothing and all you had to do was not incriminate yourself. You just felt powerful. Yeah, yeah. You never feel powerful in principal's office. I'm not painting a very good picture of myself as a teacher. No, you're really not. <laughs> I got called to the principal's office once to be a witness because uh, there was a substitute teacher who was asked about his crazy religion. Like everybody knew he had some wild ideas. And so he went off on a tangent telling everybody about all of his beliefs. And then somebody in the class complained that he was spreading his uh, gospel and they called me in to ask about it. And I was pissed off because the dude was clearly egged into talking about it. So I made it pretty clear to them that he was asked several times to continue talking about it. But I never... I don't, they didn't tell me that shit. Did you uh, ever see him substitute again? No, but it was a high school, so, you know. Did you we, see him at the meetings of Zerg, the Dominator, when you went to the church group uh, with him? Yeah, we co-hosted those. I, uh, we did have a uh, – I wish you guys knew about this guy. There was a guy named Mr. Parmalee in St. Joseph who was a – he was a substitute at all, all through my entire – education from grade school to high school and he was this really weird guy and he talked about how he knew he knew how time travel how to make time travel work and everybody loved him because you could just get him to talk about time travel and you'd ask him a question at the beginning you'd be like Mr. Parmalee how do you weigh the earth and then he'd be like oh well that's easy and then for 20 minutes he would describe while giving you drawings on how you can weigh the earth. And we'd all be like, fuck yeah, we're not learning any math today. The joke's on us. Did you guys have regular substitutes who would show back up? Like, or is it always someone different? No, we had both. Yeah. Yeah. I usually, we had regulars. We had one that we knew was sneaking bur- shots of bourbon, like out of the, out of her purse. Every few minutes. Every um, few minutes. Yeah, she drank a lot of bourbon, it seemed. Um, but yeah, we had we had a we had regulars. Did you have any of the regulars that hated you? No, that was just you. I think most of my no. teachers loved me. It, had... In high school, it was my the regular teachers hated me, and the substitutes liked me. Why did they hate you? They thought I was a burnout. They thought I was a drug addict. They thought I didn't care. Did were yeah. any of those things accurate? I did not care. Because they sucked. They were horrible teachers. Uh, I had the worst teachers in the, the world. I went to the, it was, it was an awful high school experience. I'm surprised anyone that goes to school in North Carolina, when I went to school in North Carolina, got an education. And they can all kiss my ass. I had two good teachers in high school in North Carolina. 
Well, I don't think that that is, um, I think the teachers that who you have a real connection with who teach in the way that you respond to is always going to be a low number like that because everybody's different. Like well, I, yeah, I, I had lots of sort of low, you know, teachers who were middle of the road, nothing. But then I had a lot of really awful teachers that yeah. just didn't get it. And they were, they were just jackasses. Yeah. And then I had a couple of really great teachers who did get it and were awesome. I had a teacher in middle school who was the science teacher and I think he just hated kids and his job and he, everybody was terrified of him. He had really intense eyes and uh, he would, he would give you detention. Like if you forgot your book detention, he'd give you detention for anything. And at one point I was up moving something and I had knocked a, he was out of the classroom and I knocked a beaker off the table and it shattered and I was terrified because when he came back in, I had to go up and be like, Hey, I broke that. And he like looked at me with his like evil eyes and he had a beard. He was gaunt and he had a pointed beard and he really stern. He looked at me and he's like, did you do it on purpose? And I was like, <laughs> no, no, it was an accident. And he's like, well, accidents happen. And, that <laughs> and I was relieved in that yeah, same I- class. Oh, I got one more. In that, same, in that same class, there was a guy who used to pick on me. And one day I threw a, one of these heavy textbooks at his face and his nose just like burst out blood and it was all <laughs> over his shirt. And uh, he was like, after school, you're fucked. But he never, nothing ever happened. But he did leave me alone. So it works. Hit him hard and they'll That's, leave you alone. Uh, I had a... Uh, my marketing teacher in 11th and 12th grade, his name was Mr. McPherson and he was awesome. Um, and he had, uh, I remember he had a, his office, like he had his classroom, but he had a separate little office and it was just full of baseball cards because he just collected baseball cards, just tons of unopened boxes of baseball cards. And when you go in to meet with him, almost invariably, he'd take an unopened box of baseball cards down and open it. And as he's talking to you, he just starts opening packs and seeing what he's got. And uh, I remember when this guy, I, I think it's his Tommy something, for some reason he wanted to fight me, and he came into class and he goes, there's nothing between us but air and opportunity. There's nothing between us but air and opportunity. We're going to fight today after school. I was like, fine, I don't care, just leave. And Mr. McPherson called me back into the room, and he's like, what was that all about? And I was like, I don't know, and we talked about it, he said, well, you're going to fight him, aren't you? I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, I guess I am. And, uh, but he never showed up to, for the fight. What a loser. The next day he came back and he was like, we're, we're good buddies. You didn't tell on me about something. You didn't tell I was going to fight you. So we're friends now. And I was like, well, we didn't fight. So that's so a, a bad home life. I got attacked in newspaper class. I was in newspaper but only my senior year. Was it libel? Like a libel attack? <laughs> no, a physical attack. <laughs> the, the newspaper was mostly seniors that year and juniors. And then there were a handful of underclassmen because you had to get special whatever to get in there. And uh, one of the seniors' little brother was in it. And he got picked on by every t- everybody all the time. Like I wouldn't say that I particularly picked on him. Um, like well, this, like is, this isn't a story about you defending him. It's a story about you also picking on him. What, buddy? If you take your shoes off, yeah. 
Uh, no, I, I, like I'm saying, I didn't, he, he got picked on by the room sort of. Um, I did not go out of my way to pick on him and I would not, was not one of the loudest voices, but no, I didn't defend him. Come on. Uh, but apparently at some point I had said something that offended him uh, because I came in to the newspaper class after lunch and it was just me and him and he was doing something and I just commented like innocuously on it, but he had enough and he flipped over the table and picks up these colored pencils and throws them at me and like, is like raging. And then the teacher came in and he kind of got caught and left and it come to find out his parents were going through a divorce or something and he just had stuff going on at home. Uh, but when they called me to the office for that, I was very confused. I was like, what ha- why is this? I'm like, I don't have any idea what happened. I, any other time, if someone had, like, lashed out, I would have understood that it was I was being a dick or it was something I'd done before. But, yeah, I was very confused. And years later, I found out that, yeah, he was just having a rough home life at the time. So probably the kid that inexplicably wanted to fight Colin and then was, said they were friends afterward, it's because of whatever was going on. Listen, I don't need to understand people. (laughs) I don't need to understand his pain or his sense of loss. He's a jackass. Now he's like a 48-year-old man. I'm just kidding. Or he's dead. I do care. I care that he might have been going through some terrible things back then. Colin, when you were a child, what was your favorite board game? Uh. You know, board games were weird for me. I like that we're finally turning it to the discussion of board games. Because <laughs> that's been our plan. We, we set out before this recording. We said, you know what? We get on here and we just talk about nonsense. We need to have a, uh, a theme for every episode. And board games was it. I think and our I guess, theme is like bullies. and yes, juvenile yeah, delinquency. Yeah, it's the theme of, of delinqu- delinquency. And, uh, pl- well, I guess... Would you live is sort of a board game. You were laying on a board. board. <laughs> yeah. You were bored. Yeah, we were bored. It wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, I don't know. Um, I was trying to think what the first board game I remember playing was. And I think the first game I remember vividly remember playing was uh, Clue. Hmm. Uh, you must have my neighbors. You must have been terrible. No, I was good at it. Really? Yeah, I was good at Clue. How old were you? I was. I had to be young. This had to be kindergarten or yeah. So probably the people you were playing with were just terrible at it. Well, we were probably all kindergartners. Mm-hmm. I, I remember because my neighbor that lived that lived on the farm next to us had like a closet full of board games, and her grandson would come over, and when he came over, I'd go play with him when we played Clue. So I don't know. I probably was bad at it, but that was probably the first board game I really, really remember. And- well, now that you mention Clue, I remember playing Clue and Monopoly at my grandpa's when they'd have big family gatherings. And I was terrible, of course, because I was a child. My grandpa always won. Uh, I understand why now, because he was good at that stuff. But uh, He was good at strategy and didn't well, let the kids win, right? <clears throat> exactly. But I now I understand the strategy he used to win, whereas before I was just like, grandpa's really good at this. Uh, but now I'm really good at it. So you are I have, very good at strategy. I need a I need a big family whose ass I can kick at Monopoly. See, last my, time we played Monopoly, this guy. Uh-huh. See, my parents were they didn't particularly care for board games, and they would never sign up for anything that took a long time. So as a child, I was told that our mousetrap was broken and it was impossible to build a mousetrap, and that Monopoly <laughs> all these pieces was missing. This will never work. And I, I can remember getting it out and asking mom, like, "How does this work?" And she's like, "I don't know. It must be broken." 
And that's what she would say about Monopoly. Like we didn't have all the cards when really she just didn't want to spend seven hours. Yeah. I used to play Mousetrap at Mrs. Porter's house too. I remember going there and playing Mousetrap. Uh, We we got it. We dug ours out of the closet for my nephew and it's way more fun just to put it together and play with it. Oh yeah. Don't worry about the game. Just set the trap off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're frozen. um, Oh, you're unfrozen. All right. I am. No, you're all, it's all good. All right. I keep thinking that Cthulhu behind you is Max Rebo, but it's not. It can be if that makes you feel better. But I, uh, go ahead. The the so board games have changed so much. I mean, now they're big business, million dollar kickstarters, and they're super elaborate. Um, but I was trying to think of the games that I was like that kind of shook my world a little bit, like really changed for me. And I, I, like I said, I brought some visual aids here, fellas. So this one is from when I was a kid. And I think all I ever did, do you remember Dungeon? And we played that once, didn't we? I've never played this ever with anyone. Uh, I was uh, not born. I don't think I was born when you were playing. So this was was, uh, TSR's original board game to try to tempt people into playing, you know, to trick them into eventually playing Dungeons and Dragons. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, you wander through a, a maze and you encounter monsters and you gather treasure and you get magic items. Is it like I never kids? played it because I was already playing Dungeons and Dragons from a young age. So that huh. seemed kind of a step backwards. But uh, I was going through my game closet and it was there. And I was like, oh, yeah, the box art was cool. And it seemed like a cool game. I remember playing like Beginner's D&D that was a board game. So maybe that was Maybe that was Similar, the next generation yeah. of Dungeon. I don't know. Well, my kid I'm, and I are playing like uh, Castle Ravenloft right now, and it's a, it's awesome. And it's basically fourth edition Dungeons and Dragons in terms of the rules. But uh, that showed game's a me lot of fun. the biggest game when I was like ten or twelve or whatever. The game everybody wanted, who was a young boy, was Hero Quest. Oh yeah, and, Hero. And Quest I remember awesome. playing that at a friend's house, and then I wanted that for Christmas, and I've got it. And Is that the sad thing. We probably played it once or twice back in my old apartment on Bell Street. But the sad thing about it is once you get it, it, most of your time you can't play it because your family doesn't care. Right. And you're like my older sisters didn't want to play it. So I spent a lot of time building maps and not very much time playing them. Well, that's the problem with board games that require like four and up players unless you have a friend group that likes it. Yeah. There's either half of the people don't want to play or you can't ever find anyone to play. Well, when I was 10 years old, the greatest bit of technology was created. And that was the Dungeons and Dragons electronic board game. <laughs> is that open? Thing, All your games are sealed? No, that's not sealed. It's, that box is falling apart, man. It's like... what? What does it do? Oh, I mistook the raggedy edges for plastic seams. So this, this is, is the maze cool. that your characters wander through. And it came with awesome little lead miniatures. And you walk your characters through it. Oh, can't go that way. Oh, oh wait. And it gives you beeping sounds to tell you if you're going the right way. Boy, this guy's... Oh, oh he got lead poisoning and died. I woke the dragon up. Oh, shit. And then the dragon chases you around the board electronically. And I thought this was the greatest creation that had ever been created. But there you go. Electronic D&D. 
Is that what you use for the game map when we play our Zoom one? <laughs> no, because the game map changes every every move. Did uh. people ever draw penises on that like they do on the other game map? You can't draw on it, Kyle. You can't. Right. So Colin is running a game, a D&D game for us and Anton and Chris Grine and uh, so a few of his other friends. And the first, the first night we played was a bit of a shit show for... Largely my fault because it was extremely late. I had a good time. I had a great time, but I was I was an hour and a half late, so I, I think that I added to the tension. And apparently, before I got there, penises were drawn on the game map, which I didn't know was possible. Yes, but, they did draw penises on the map. But Cohen did a great job, and I really enjoyed that game. Even though last time he made it so I didn't get to do anything for an hour and a half. To that was your choice, brother. Like, that was your choice, my friend. You you got to come up with stuff to do. You gotta, I tried. The lady wouldn't let me seduce her. Let's save D and D talk for some other time. This is D and D. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I have two older sisters. So the tragedy—it's not a tragedy. A funny thing about my childhood is, for a long time, my grandparents would get my sisters whatever toys they were into, and they would get me the guy associated with that toy line. Sure. So I would get like the purple pie man from Strawberry Shortcake, who's kind of a badass toy. It is kind uh, of a great toy. <laughs> but I'd, I'd also get Rio from Jim and the Holograms, the like purple haired dude. Eventually, I started to get the stuff I was into. But I remember playing a game called the Cabbage Patch Kid something game. And it was an electronic disc. It was like a pie shaped apparatus that had a lot of holes in it. And... uh you would you would slide a thing on the side and a timer would activate and when you slid it uh the pie would twist and out of each of the holes would quickly rise a plastic naked baby they all like these bald little naked babies and uh as the timer clicked the naked babies would slowly lower back into the hole and it looked like a cabbage patch so each each of these holes was a little cabbage. And the point was you had to grab them and look at the bottom and they'd have a name because all the Cabbage Patch Kids had names. So like, like uh, uh, <laughs> I can't think of any of their names. Mary Alexander, Ginny uh, B, whatever. But you had to match the names. You had to find the ones with the different na- the same names. It was a memory matching game that oh, was yeah. timed. And so eventually your little fingers would get stuck because the bulbous head of the Cabbage Patch Kid, your fingers would be under it and it would go back down. <laughs> and it, would, it would By pinch the way, you if, if, you're if that was a Garbage Pail Kid game, Kyle would have it on that shelf behind him right <laughs> that's, now. That's yeah. true. You're absolutely right. So um, I remember that game. I remember a game when Little Shop of Horrors came out. It was, I think my sister stole this game and took it back with her. I won't get into that. But it was... Uh, it was the plant, Audrey too, and you had to like put marbles or take marbles off of its tongue, and if it snapped closed, you lost. It's pretty badass. I might actually get that when I'm back in St. Joe, and I might steal it. I had the uh, the Jaws board game when I was a kid. When the board game it was just a plastic shark, yeah. and his mouth was open, and he had like you know pieces of you know a, 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 ship. a ship's wheel. And you had to fish him out with a hook, and he would snap closed if you touched. Yeah, it's like the same thing. Less loud than operation. 
Yeah. What's a game where you pushed you pushed down a yellow plastic thing and it had little shapes in it and you had to trouble? Take no, it's not trouble. Trouble Trouble's has a popomatic pop bubble. bubble. Uh, oh, perfection. the it had a timer and then they'd yeah. all explode out. Yeah. Um, was it called Perfection? Yeah, or? Perfection. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I think it was Perfection. Yeah. I had that. I had a uh, Kerplunk, which is the one with the marbles on top and the little like sticks that go through the cylinder. And you had to pull a stick out, but try not to drop any marbles down. I always wanted um, Hungry Hungry Hippos. Yeah. My sister had that. The, my mom sang at a church, and they had it there in the kids' section. And I liked playing with it. There but, was a – I never had this game, but you talking about the Little Shop of Horrors game reminded me of it. The Little Shop uh, of what? Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Um when I was a kid, <laughs> uh, slime was really popular. You could buy it in these garbage pails, you know, and it was like – Yeah, that continued for a long yeah. time. And uh, there was a board game called Green Slime where I only played it once at some friend's house, and it had a slime monster who would walk around the board. And if you Sounds ever landed good. on the same spot as the slime monster, you'd press the monster down, and he'd basically just splooge slime all over your token. Um that sounds like a Ghostbusters toy. Those are yeah, those sort of, good toys. Yeah, I mean, there was a He-Man toy like that too. Dude, did I send? No, I didn't. On Instagram, I saw a photo. Somebody posted a photo of a a Mattel um, event where they were selling He-Man toys, and there was a dude dressed as He-Man, and there was a guy dressed as Hordak, mm-hmm. the leader of the Horde. But behind them was a full-scale reconstruction of that like skull head that the ooze pours out of yeah oh, cool there are like kids like playing in the slime pit and awesome. i i couldn't believe they put that much effort into creating that thing but they were really bringing in the dough in the early days of he-man well, of course yeah well, i feel like it's just time and money that stops us from doing that so it makes yeah sense. yeah that's true um now there was a game that i wanted when i was a kid and i never got and I, and I finally bought it recently, and I haven't played it since I bought it. Um, and that was Dark Tower. Now, this was an electronic marvel. I'll, we should play that game. We Next should play work After there's no more pandemic. So I, I, I pulled it out of the box, and I looked at the tower just today to see how it works. And it plays cool music. Did oh, you it still pack- it works? Yeah, it still works. I mean, it's just a thing that... Yeah, but if you left the batteries in it, it wouldn't work. Look, it has lights that spin around. Did you back the Kickstarter for the new one? Uh, I arranged to get get one. I didn't. I wasn't able to back the Kickstarter, but I talked to a retailer who did. I, was, I would have, except I didn't like that it, re- it relies on an app. Because, and my computer went to sleep. Can you, am I still here? All right. Yeah, you good. Need to go away. Uh, so it relies on an app. And if I'm going to spend that much money on a game in 10 you years, I don't want the, the app to be obsolete. Uh, but I will spend a lot of money on Cthulhu Wars, which is the game I play the most now, which was yeah, a me good, too. which is a Kickstarter a few years back, uh, which has, which appeals to completists like me. So now every time there's an expansion, I curse its creator and back it. Yeah. And, whenever uh, I get a message, whenever I get a message from Kyle that says, "Damn, Sandy Peterson," I know there's a new <laughs> Kickstarter that just got launched. But yeah, at this point, there are so many things 
so many expansions. I don't even think that we've played them all. And for a while I was playing every week, like a, a group of guys would come and we'd play every week. Um, but it's fun. It's a good game. It's got these giant pieces. Actually, here's an expansion that I have not played that just arrived recently. And uh, this is another giant Cthulhu. Yeah, I mean, it's an impressive-looking game, too, when you play it. It's a fun-looking game. Oh, yeah, it's giant. The pieces are huge. It looks like you're really into something. It's perfect if you like toys, but you don't like to play with toys because you you have rules, and you get to actually use these things. Extremely good at strategy games, and he figures out all the ins and outs. And that game... Every like every faction you play has a different way of winning and different rules and different things happening. So the first time we played, I, I felt like it was a good time. And then because I had my kids half the time, I would miss several weeks. And eventually that game became unplayably difficult because I would just be confused <laughs> and doing what people told me and then getting yelled at. And so uh, whenever well, you I would helped, you would love the game if you played it if you. I don't know. I think you'd love it if you got so, into it. Because we you, played a thousand games of Risk. Right. Uh, one of my favorite uh, board game experiences was the Cthulhu Wars with Kyle at a convention in... Uh, it was in... Uh, it was the Air Capital Con. It was Air Capital Con, yeah. And uh, Jimmy brought your, it. Who was your friend who had never played before before that night? Was it Link was W. Herman? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, like somebody was winning the game and it was Voldemort, I think. Yeah. Link was the last, like he had the one opportunity to defeat Baltimore and, and he got one die and he, he had to roll it. And he had roll. to roll a six and he did. I think we would have carried that guy around on our shoulders. <laughs> if uh, It hadn't been late and we all hadn't been very old. So. Was Baldemar furious. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, when Baldemar gets furious, he gets very quiet and, Sits and I would have been furious in his place because he had that game locked up until that one lucky die roll. Well, see, that's why I had. Or was it Ross? It might have been Ross. Uh, It was one. It was somebody who'd never played before. What'd you say, Dennis? Uh, Well, that's why I have to be careful with game, with video games and board games and anything. Is that I'm very competitive, and so if I, I care too much, and I don't like feeling like that. I don't like feeling like I care too much. I either care not at all or I care way too much. And so it's easier to just not play stuff for the most part. And it's frustrating mm-hmm. to play a game where everybody else is good because I don't want to just suck for like 30 times until I catch up. That's not very fun for me. Um, so I'm careful with it because that's what happened with risk. Kyle was much, much better at me than me at risk, but he would send, we played this thing called games by email where you would email each other every, or the system would email you if it was your turn. And it was just an extremely rudimentary risk game. But it was and, called gambit. Yeah. And at the time I had uh, a day job and in the winters we had very little to do. So Kyle would send me, we would send each other turns just over and over and over and over again. So eventually I feel like I caught up to your level of risk. Well, with risk, I mean, once you get it, you get it right. Uh, And so it would escalate to the point that we had multiple games going on. And then we get to a point where we would be like, Oh, I recognize that I've lost this game. I'll let him finish it out, but I'm going to start a new game where we can actually uh, compete. And at one point we invited our friend Aaron Gillespie to play with us, who was far less invested and and far less uh, equipped to compete, but we would manipulate him and use him as a weapon (laughs) against each other 
we would send him private messages. And, well, it was also, uh, you could just set him up so that he would make the obvious attack. Yeah. Like you just, so that you could send him in a direction. But what we found, Kyle and I got along great doing this via email. But what we found is when we tried to play actual risk with other people, we get very loud and ruin the game for everyone else because we try to give them friendly advice and it doesn't go well. Yeah. Well, but I'm as not long good as at risk. A, so we played, we played hundreds of games of risk. I heard thousands is what I heard. Well, I mean, I, maybe we did. It's possible. Thousands of hours. Risk is a long game. Yeah, but it's not that long if it's three players and one of them is a computer or Aaron Gillespie. Yeah, and you don't okay. have to, and you don't have to wait for people to make their move. You just move on to your next thing. Right. So also, uh, we were using it as a procrastination like tool. Right. We were supposed to be working while we were doing it. So we were talking about games to play when we all get together next. And Cthulhu, Cthulhu Wars, Cthulhu Wars, but a horror game that predates Cthulhu Wars. Did you guys ever play <laughs> Nightmare? No. Oh, so Nightmare came out play, in the 90s. I play it every night recently, Colin. Right. <laughs> it came out in the 90s, and it's sort of a game where you wander around a board, a graveyard collecting keys. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of, you know, whatever. But it also came with... Who left all video, their keys? A videotape. Oh. A videotape. The keys look like this. This That's key cool. unlocks the gate to time. Ooh, a time key. But it came with a videotape. And you'd play this tape as you were playing the game. And it had a Crypt Keeper character who just sits on Mm -hmm. the screen. And every now and again, he'd say, stop. Whose turn is it next? It's like that Star Trek game. Yeah, yeah. uh, I have that in the closet up there. But I'm not getting it. This is not my original copy of this game. I bought it at a yard sale, you know, a few years later. You didn't draw wyverns all over it? I did not draw wyverns over it, but I just found something very disturbing and not disturbing, but maybe sad because I, I haven't opened it until right now to look at it and pull the box off. And I guess in the game, they had these blank cards that you were supposed to write your greatest fear on. Oh, no. <laughs> and, uh, and the people who had this game before me wrote their greatest fears on some of the cards. And so here's Michael Myers. Somebody was afraid. (laughs) Their greatest fear was Michael Myers. From from Austin Powers. This person was the cringe. I don't know what that is, but they were apparently afraid of the cringe. This person was afraid of drowning. Well, that's a real fear. Maybe Anton knows what the cringe is. And this is my the saddest one. uh, Loneliness. That was, very that was the parent. The parent wrote that. <laughs> but I think we should play this game. Uh, apparently on YouTube, they've got a, you can put the, the Crypt Keeper or whatever on YouTube and play the game with him on the Let's screen. Let's do it. So Sounds like a good plan. So. The cringe. It's no risk, but it does involve loneliness and the cringe. So yeah, anytime like I tell like, hardcore board gamers about our playing so many games of risk, they'll be like, why would you, that game is so broken. Why would you play that? Well, every game, game don't hate just every game is broken eventually like all these expansions for cthulhu wars totally break it yeah it's, for sure it's also the case that the other games that they had on games by email either we didn't understand at first or 
were not very much fun. We played that one. What was that one called? It was like that a weird... It's called Kyle Figures Out Strategy Much Faster Than You Do, <laughs> so you will lose 100 games in a row. Oh, but it was fun. And then Aaron didn't know what to do in that game. <laughs> no. Remember we played with Chris Grind? He just got mad. <laughs> yeah. I like making... Oh, wait. We, we need to show off our amazing new Missouri Swagger logo. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, may, I'll send it to Anton... And Anton can put it into the video here. I hope he will. Will you, Anton? The one that Chris Grind designed. So Chris Grind was kind enough to, uh, out of the blue, send us a beautiful illustration of the three of us. Yes. Uh, that is our that we can use for future Missouri Swagger content. Well, Maybe first he t-shirts. sent us a not safe for work Easter Bunny drawing on Easter Sunday. And then, and then, yeah, we, then we got what appeared to be just a like happy go lucky Missouri swagger logo. That's awesome. And then he sent us a sketch of the back view, which was also not safe for work. <laughs> Cause Chris is a monster. But yeah, so uh, y'all in the comments, you should tell us your favorite, vi- your favorite board game, not your favorite video game, but board yep, game, board games only. And Colin, the predator is available now. We should play it. Yeah, I'm ready. I think I accidentally bought it during the test, the beta test phase. So. I, I know you did. You told me as much. Yeah, so um, I'm ready to play. Uh, anyway, Dennis, where can uh, people find you on the internet? Um, best place to find me is Hopeless Dent on Twitter, or just search my name on Twitter. Uh, and then I, Dennis Hopeless Comics on Instagram. If you want to send me uh, a DM or see pictures of my kids' Halloween costume, because I don't ever put anything on there. Cullen? Uh, you can find me at CullenBun.com or on Twitter at CullenBun. Those are the best places to find me. Right. Or on Patreon. I have a Patreon under my name as well. So, mm-hmm. And uh, I have a Patreon as well, uh, Kyle Strom. And you can find me on Instagram at KyleStrom underscore. And please be sure to like Missouri Swagger. And follow us, and uh, tell, get, your and, and tell, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. That was creepy, Kyle. <laughs> that was, I didn't like that at all. You were like the crypt keeper, only I was, in like I was, a, that was my impression of the cringe. That was that was the cringe. <laughs> all right, all right everybody. Well, thank you, uh, Dennis. Let's sh- make sure everybody knows we better next time. Oh, yeah. We'll do better next time. Next time, whenever I say, he counted us down, folks, Colin will be paying attention, and he'll say his name. And, I was but. already paying attention. And I'll be present. <laughs> Take it easy, I, everybody. Bye, folks. We have something that gets added somewhere. I don't know.